Hello, all you happy, 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 happy innovators. Does that sound like a robot? Are we robots? <laughs> Are we all just Illuminati robots? There's a question for you. There's a thought experiment. <laughs> Are we all Illuminati robots? Think about that. You know? Think about that. Are we, you know, you know. I say that a lot, don't I? You know, you know, you know. Maybe we should make a Singularity podcast drinking game where every time I say, you know, you know, you take a shot, you know. (laughs) You'd probably be hammered after the first five minutes, you know. Anyway, okay, I have a question for you today. Do you like hip-hop music? Do you like it? Do you enjoy it? Okay. Because I don't. I don't like it. I have tried to like it, but I don't like it. And I think the reason that I don't like it, and I can't be quite sure because I haven't listened to a whole lot of it really because I can only stand maybe a minute of any given song and then I have to turn it off I just can't stand it but um, I think a lot of it sounds the same and I'm not into the whole misogyny thing and talking about how rich you are and how much stuff you have and all that kind of stuff because I'm not rich and I don't have a lot of stuff at least not a lot of valuable stuff I have a lot of crap I don't have a lot of uh, nice things, you know. I don't have any bling bling. (laughs) I don't have any bling bling. I'm a striver, baby. Trust me, I don't have anything to brag about, okay? (laughs) Anyway, but, you know, with most music, okay, or I should say all music, really, even if I don't like the music, you know, I can find some aspect of it that I enjoy, okay, or that I can appreciate. And and with hip-hop, here's what it is. I found this guy on YouTube. Uh, his name is DJ Vlad. And he has, like, a, this video series, I guess you would call it, where he interviews different hip-hop artists. I can leave you a link below um, in the description so, so you can find this guy and check out what I'm talking about but um, I've been listening to a lot of these interviews he's doing with these hip hop artists and what I find interesting is that I don't like the music at all okay but I like listening to hip hop artists talking especially about issues or anything like that you know if you listen to them talking It's pretty interesting. There are a lot of very interesting personalities in hip-hop. Especially this one guy. His name is uh, Lord Jamar. And uh, I think that's his name. He's extremely well-spoken. And another one of the artists that he interviewed is this comedian. A female comedian. Her name is Lunel. And, uh, yeah, another example of that where it's like I could just listen to her talk for hours, you know, Um, 
She's hilarious. She's smart. She's funny. Uh, and has a lot of wisdom and a lot of street smarts. You know, I have this one book. It's called Last Suppers. And it's just a book of all these different celebrities describing, like, what their last meal would be. Like, if they were going to die. And they had one meal that they could eat and what they would eat and who they would invite to eat dinner with them. And I got to tell you, there's a pretty long list of people that I would invite. Okay. And Lou and Al and Lord Jamar have just made that list. Okay. Of maybe the top 10 people that I would love to share my last meal on earth with and have a conversation with them. And, you know, even though I dislike the music, I dislike the aesthetic, I dislike pretty much every aspect of hip hop, except for their opinions about issues. You know, Um, there's a lot of wisdom packed into what they're talking about and a lot of experience, life experience. And I find that intriguing. Okay, so. An example of good is good, you know. I don't like the music, but their thoughts are good. Their thinking is good. Their position is good. It's just like I can't deal with the whole, you know, waving money in the camera and making it rain and all that kind of bullshit that comes along with it, like the, you know, just the twerking and (laughs) the twerking and all that crap. It's just like I just, it's like they all do the same thing. It's like there is no difference between one artist to the other. Like, they all do the same thing. It sounds the same. It looks the same. They talk about the same things. It's always about something that I find completely abhorrent or stupid and not worth talking about. Like, how much money you have, how much stuff you have, how many girls you have, you know, and all these, you know, twerking butts in the camera and all that kind of stuff. It's almost uh, laughable. It's a parody of what it's supposed to be. Okay. It's all just way too formulaic, you know, from my tastes. And besides, there's like a thousand other things to be singing about, you know? Like, the world is on fire. Why are you singing about the party? You know, why are you singing about the disco? Like, I don't know. Anyway. And I gotta say, and this is the reason I think I'm talking about it, or at least one of the reasons why I want to talk about this today, is, uh... You know, recently my wife and I found this MTV Cribs episode. And in case you're not familiar with the TV show MTV Cribs, which would be shocking if you weren't. But basically what MTV Cribs is, is like uh, MTV shows up at the house of a superstar and they give them a tour of their house. Okay. And really, it's just like this bragging about the stuff they have and the the lifestyle, the lavish lifestyle that they lead. And, uh, but this show was really popular and everything, but it was kind of scandalized because word got out that, you know, while they're showing up at this house for this superstar celebrity, you know, hip hop artist or something, the house you're showing up to isn't their house. They rented it for the MTV Cribs, they rented the furniture, they rent the cars, all the stuff that they're bragging about and showing you is all phony. 
<laughs> okay? And it was scandalized that way. But there was this one artist, okay, this one hip-hop artist, Redman, from Wu-Tang Clan, I believe, okay? And, oh my gosh, was it brilliant. He did an MTV Cribs, okay, from, like, his condo, you know, his real house where he really lived. And it wasn't a mansion. And he didn't have Lamborghinis lined up in the driveway. And, you know, he didn't have any of that. He just lived a normal life, just like everybody else, you know. He's not living high on the hog, you know. And I just, it, it was it was so brilliant okay that is a stroke of genius and I, I guess you know this episode of MTV Cribs with Redman came out a while ago okay I'm like you know way late on this okay but that makes sense because I don't listen to hip-hop and I don't watch MTV Cribs and I don't get into any of that but I did stumble across this video and it was just one of the most hilarious things and brilliant at the same time you know it was just one of those ideas like what a what a brilliant stroke of genius to just show your real shit you know show it how it really is and take the piss out of that whole concept of MTV Cribs you know, just like wipe it out and subsequently this particular episode of Redman's you know, MTV Cribs is like the most popular episode they made. <laughs> okay. Brilliant. Frickin' brilliant. And when I listen to this guy talk, okay, he, he is so smart. You know, he's not a goofball. He's sharp as a razor and he's intelligent and he's, he's clever and he's brilliant and I love it. Okay. And it reminded me of this other video that I saw. It was uh, when Nirvana was playing Top of the Pops. And in case you don't know what Top of the Pops is, okay, it was a show in England. And it was like a, a Top 40 kind of show where it would wrap up the week's Top 40 artists. And then they would have an artist featured, maybe the number one slot or something they would come and play on the show but they wouldn't play live they would lip sync right and it was a good show actually the the show was canceled after a really long run i mean it was on i think since the 70s or maybe even the 60s um the show top of the pops was on the air and then just recently they discontinued it which i think is a mistake okay but um Top of the Pops was a lip sync situation and Nirvana was scheduled to perform there and it was brilliant. Okay, what they did, instead of playing the normal song Smells Like Teen Spirit, they did like a separate, either, either they did a separate mix of the song for the show or Kurt Cobain was singing live and the music was pre-recorded, but he sang it like in a baritone voice like it's hilarious like totally I mean the whole band is just totally taking the piss right out of the show 
I mean, it's hysterical to watch, but it's a stroke of genius. And, you know, you got Redman and you got Nirvana in these situations where they're just totally <laughs> destroying the show. You know, they're ruining it, sabotaging it in such a clever way. And if you ask me, that is the definition of punk. Okay? That is punk. It doesn't matter if they're a, you know, hip-hop artist or uh, an alternative rock band from the 90s, you know. What they did was punk. That is truly punk. And, uh... So I wanted to mention that because I just think it was so funny. You can check out Red Man's MTV Cribs or Nirvana playing Top of the Pops and you'll see what I mean. It's just, <laughs> if you haven't seen it already, it's just how it should be done, you know? Um, so now that I got that out of the way, I wanted to talk about this. You know, lately there's been a lot of talk about race, you know, skin color, uh, race relations, you know, white privilege and all those kinds of things. And I wanted to talk about it a little bit because it's something that, uh, it's something that I think should be talked about, you know? And I mean, I can say this as far as white privilege is concerned, because I'm about as white as you can get, okay? Um, I don't believe that white privilege exists for all white people, okay? I believe it probably does exist uh, on a certain level, but it's not something that um, I benefited from, okay? And most of my friends didn't really either. Um... Things are tough all over, you know, and things like white privilege or any kind of privilege uh, is something that neither I or most of the people I know had any access to, you know, uh, any success or failure we've had has been hard earned. It's been earned by sacrifice and hard work, and I have had nothing really handed to me. I can speak with truth about that. Um, I guess one could argue that maybe I was privileged in the fact that I had, you know, a mother and a father that stayed together and stayed with me. You know, my dad didn't take off. Uh, so maybe I was privileged in that way. It was a privilege to have a stay-at-home mom and a, and a reliable father. So if, if that's privilege, okay, yeah, I guess I was privileged, but I will say this, that as far as race is concerned, it's kind of a touchy subject. It's something that we're not really supposed to talk about because people are so easily offended, like no matter what angle you come at it from, but that's kind of stupid, isn't it? Like we should be able to talk about it, and so I'm going to. And I can say this, okay, that when I was younger, growing up in the suburbs of Cleveland, you know, a safe suburban community, admittingly, 
Okay. Um, I remember when I was younger that there were like throughout my entire life, really, not just when I was younger, but throughout my entire life, there's always been this kind of unspoken acceptance. Okay. I guess you could call it acceptance of black jokes, you know, or ethnic jokes, things like that. Things that were offensive and cruel or whatever. Okay. And I would laugh along with everyone else, but I always kind of took note of that in my mind, you know, that it was kind of acceptable and many of the people around me were willing to tell jokes like that. Okay, I I don't remember joking like that myself. Honestly, I do not have any recollection of telling a black joke to someone. It just was nothing that would ever appeal to me. And particularly because I was raised in a house by my parents where it was not acceptable to talk like that. All right. But outside of my home and out among my friends or out in the community, black jokes, ethnic jokes, things like that were acceptable. And it reminds me of this one time, um, one of my brothers, you know, we're sitting at the dinner table eating dinner because, you know, we did. My family sat down and had dinner together every day. And my brother made a comment about black people. And he used the N-word at the table. Now, my father was sitting at the head of the table, maybe about, you know, five chairs down was my brother. My brother made this comment and my father was chewing, you know, chewing his food and he stopped like mid-chew and the whole room went quiet, okay? Because my dad was the kind of guy who like never really got pissed off uh, very often and uh, when he did, okay, when you, when you got my dad pissed off, you knew you were in trouble, okay? Like, it was not good, all right? And he read my brother the riot act, okay, about talking like that because my father made the point that he worked with a lot of guys that were black guys, and they were good people, and they worked with my dad. They were his friends. And he's like, don't you ever talk like that in my house again, you know? So that should give you an idea of what the tone was like in my house growing up, okay? It was not acceptable. But outside of my home, okay, it was acceptable. And it wasn't something that anybody talked about or anything. It was just there, okay? Now, I realized, and I kind of realized now, I guess, more than I did then, that 
a lot of these friends of mine that were talking like that and making jokes like that, they were, from my best estimation, they had a different ticket into society, okay? These friends that were making the black jokes and these friends that tended to make black jokes, ethnic jokes, and those kinds of things. They had a different kind of ride through society than I was going to have, okay? So when we talk about white privilege, okay, I can honestly say that from my best memory, um, I did not have white privilege, okay? I did not have the same ticket into society that some of my friends had, okay? And it was enough for me to notice it when I was younger. It's hard to explain, okay, without uh, (laughs) probably disparaging some of these people that I grew up with, but, and I won't do that, okay, I won't do that, but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, that's how it was, all right, and it was acceptable, and I suppose even by me, okay, because I I never uh, stood up and said, hey, guys, that's not funny, that black joke you just told, that's not funny, don't talk like that. You know, I kind of laughed along with them and kind of just, you know, went about my business, kept my head down. But, um, so I guess, you know, like I said, when we talk about white privilege, uh, you know, maybe, yeah, I have a handful of people, I won't name names, but, you know, they kind of seem to have, you know, they kind of seem to have better resources than I did, you know? For some unknown reason. And, uh, almost like they were part of a club. And I was not a part of it. And I was not invited. Okay. Uh, do you know what I mean? So maybe when we talk about white privilege, that's what we're talking about. And if that's the case, then yeah, okay, I can say it. I think that, I think that could be true. All right. But I'll tell you right now. Okay. White privilege did not touch my life at all. Okay. In fact, if anything, it was probably the opposite. Okay. Because um, segregation is not only committed along racial or ethnic lines, you know, um, Segregation can happen and does happen because of religious reasons, you know? Um, Certain religions are excluded from the club, you know? And I guess I don't have to say too much more about that, but it's a fact. And I experienced it in my life. You know, I just did not have uh, the ticket into life that some of my friends had. And I would imagine that it was not because I was white or not because uh, of my uh, socioeconomic status, okay? It was, it was probably based on religion. 
and that can happen. All right. Um, and nobody can tell me that it doesn't happen because I know that it does. And I, like I said, I've experienced it. So, uh, this idea of white privilege to me is like, nah, I, I can't say it doesn't exist, but trust me, it didn't touch my life. The world is what we make of it. You know what I mean? But the other night, my wife and I were watching this debate on YouTube, actually. It was the Monk Debates, and uh, it featured Jordan Peterson, uh, Michael Dyson, um, Michelle Goldberg, and Stephen Fry. And uh, it was the Monk Debates. They were debating, uh, you know, white privilege, race relations, uh, political correctness, uh, gender issues, all that kind of stuff. I mean, they were debating this stuff, and I just kind of, I don't know, I don't know. I was so disappointed with how that debate went. And, okay, I'll just say that in my opinion, they invited the wrong people to this debate. Except for Jordan Peterson, who I happen to listen to and, you know, I don't agree with everything he says, but there's some wisdom in what he's saying. And Jordan Peterson is probably, if you ask me, he's kind of like the gateway or the, the first steps back um, for the men and women of our culture uh, to s- take a step back towards spirituality and religion, okay? He's not the complete journey back, but he's the first real step back culturally that we've had probably since the 60s, okay? And a much-needed Uh, and refreshing voice right now in these times we live in because people are hungry, I think, for spirituality and trying to find meaning in their life, okay? And I think that oftentimes Jordan Peterson is made more political than he really needs to be or should be, okay? He's not a politician, He is a thinker, and he has ideas. So we're not going to be voting for Jordan Peterson. At least I don't think we will. But he's a voice worth listening to. Whether you agree with him or not, at least he's not an idiot, you know? Uh, He's intelligent. Probably a lot more intelligent than most of the people you'll hear talking nowadays. And uh, it's abundantly clear when you hear him speaking that he's... At least from my perspective, anyway. I don't think he's of bad will or anything. But I was disappointed with how that debate went because it became this, you know, the same old BS, you know, just uh, tit for tat, uh, you know, sound bites and in, in, in crap like that. It's just so stupid. Um, you know, not a complete waste of time, but I think it could have been done much better. But um, it got me to thinking again, you know, about this whole race thing again and racial relations and 
oh my gosh, just the tumultuous circumstances that we're in right now politically. I mean, it is just so... Sometimes it's, it's hard to believe that it's gotten to the point where it is. And in some ways, it's like, it totally makes sense. You know, we were heading here all this time. And I think it's serious enough, at least from my best estimations, you know, it's serious enough right now where we we may be actually looking down the barrel of uh, what, like maybe a civil war or something uh, here in America right now. I'm not sure. I don't know for sure, but sometimes it seems that way. And that would be tragic, like I expressed in the last Singularity podcast I did. If you want, go back and listen to it. I mean, it, I think uh, it lacks wisdom, you know. But there's no question that we live in a very strange time. And it's um, it's everywhere, you know. It's everywhere you look. And, you know, when you find uh, any seeds of wisdom in our modern culture... It's like you have to grab hold of them, you know, any kind of wisdom you can find, uh, right? I mean, we should be like reaching for it, grabbing for it and holding it close to the rib, you know, because it's so hard to find nowadays, you know, it's so hard to find a voice of wisdom in the world. Do you know what I mean? You know... It's a strange thing. Um, my wife and I were watching this video of this guy. He does like, uh, <laughs> he does like LSD or um, like mushrooms, magic mushrooms. And uh, he videotapes himself, you know, tripping. <laughs> what a life. <laughs> Uh, talent <laughs> but uh, it is actually pretty interesting to watch um, I guess I could say you know for the record alright uh, I have never done LSD okay and I never will okay I never will but uh, actually it's kind of cool I had this one girl I dated I dated her for a long time like, you know, five years or something. And we broke up and everything. And a couple of years later, we got together and we went out to dinner or something. And we were talking and, and you know, okay, she was kind of a wild girl, okay? And she was very <laughs> experimental with things, okay? And uh, I loved her. I loved her. You know, I still do. Um, hope that she's doing okay. I won't say her name, but so anyway, while we're out to dinner, she asks me, okay, have you ever tried LSD? And I said, no, I have not tried LSD. And she said, good. Like, don't ever, ever do it. And she goes, when you take LSD, okay, when you trip on LSD, you are opening up doors in your mind that you do not want to open because once you open them you can never close them again bam that's what she told me 
So I'll probably, you know, never do LSD. Um, I'll take her warning, you know. Uh, but anyway, so this guy makes these videos of himself tripping balls <laughs> on LSD and, uh, oh man, what's that other? Mushrooms. And there was like this other thing. I can't remember what it's called now. I'm so old. I'm so lame. <laughs> I don't remember what the drugs are called anymore. <laughs> but uh, DMT. DMT. That's the other one. <laughs> anyway, what was interesting about this guy's YouTube channel is this one time he had one of his buddies from work or something who had never taken LSD before. Okay. They dosed him for the first time and they videotaped like they video journaled this guy's first trip on LSD and it just so happened that this friend of his that was tripping for the first time was a black guy okay and it was entertaining and everything and funny or whatever all the things that you would imagine it would be but in this one part of this guy's trip, deep into his trip, okay, he is talking, and he's not talking gibberish, but he's kind of talking openly, okay? He's not inhibited by anything, and he's just talking wide open, and it was kind of sad, because what came out in this segment of his trip what was coming out of him was this sentiment like he was worried about being black it worried him and he felt kind of not ashamed but embarrassed that he was black okay and that just punched me right in the gut. I mean, it it stuck with me, okay? It stayed in my mind. Just, it must be something that is really bothering him. And if that's the case, then that is really sad. And it got me to thinking, like, how many people are walking around in the world, you know, different people, different types of people, different skin colors, different ethnicities, whatever, just different people. How many people are walking around feeling that way? How many of these people secretly, quietly, in their mind, in the part that they don't share with the public, okay, have a sense of embarrassment or something about like their skin color or their ethnicity or whatever, you know? Like they're embarrassed by it. And that just makes me sad if that's the case. And it's something that no one will ever really talk about. I mean, nobody wants to. They never will. But I'll talk about it because it bothered me, okay? That that might be the case for some people or maybe a lot of people, okay? And maybe not. Maybe I'm way off base and I'm wrong, but it came out in this video with this guy. It was almost like truth serum, you know, this hit of acid that he took 
and this trip he was on, he started to divulge what he really felt. And it bothered me, still does, when I think about it. It bothers me that someone would have to be, you know, uncomfortable with their skin color or whatever, or afraid or whatever. It's like, you know, be comfortable in thine own skin, you know? I come from this perspective, like, and this goes for anybody, really, like, uh, black, white, uh, Christian, Muslim, uh, male, female, transgender, whatever, okay? I personally may or may not disagree with your lifestyle, okay? But no one ever should be afraid of being hurt or attacked or something because of, you know, what they look like, like where they're from, what they believe, you know, how they live their life or whatever. All right. And I don't care who it is, what it is. Okay. You could be something that I love. You could be something that I despise. Okay. But you should never, ever be afraid of being hurt by someone or something because of what you are or what you think or what you believe. I'm sorry. It is unacceptable to me. And I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of people agree with what I just said and probably feel the same way. It's kind of like There's two kinds of people, you know, on earth. There are two kinds of people, okay? And there are nice people and there are assholes. But even if you're an asshole, you shouldn't have to worry about your safety or something, you know? You shouldn't have to worry about violence towards you. Nobody should ever have to be afraid for those reasons. I'm sorry. I just, I can't tolerate it can't accept it you know I don't care what you are I don't care what you do I don't care what you do in the privacy of your house or your bedroom I don't care I don't care okay I don't care I would defend your right to be that whatever it is I would um nobody has any right to harm someone else for what they believe or what they are or anything like that. Live and let live. But I believe in the sovereignty of each human being and the individuality and autonomy of every citizen. I believe in that. And that I believe that's what the framers intended um, when they were drawing up the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, especially. Uh, that one's for you, Eric. <laughs> but anyway, I guess I should probably be taken off here pretty soon because I have to get back to work. So this episode has gone a little long. But um, for now, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.